The Bar Star Podcast, hosted by Stephen O'Reilly, is a podcast about working musicians, their friends, and their opinions. Stephen is a musician in Louisville, Kentucky, who has... Wait a second. This guy's a drummer, not a real musician? Somebody gave a drummer a microphone for his voice? The hell? Unreal. Unbelievable. stuffy episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys for coming back and hanging out with me once again. Thanks for the feedback. Everything has been awesome. As you can tell, I sound like a gopher in a box because winter's drunk and it won't go home. And I have a massive head cold. But I thought it fitting with who I'm hanging out with today because on the episode I did a couple months ago, this gentleman's name came up and I was extra stuffy on that episode, so I figured warts and all, why reschedule? I hope everybody is doing well, I hope everybody had a good week, and as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. Please make sure you check out my sponsor, Prophecy Inc. You know the deal by now, go into the shop and mention the Bar Star Podcast, you will get 10% off your tattoo from any artist in the shop, not just Travis. I am not flying solo today. You've already figured that out. I am hanging out with my buddy, the one very gorgeous, very handsome man, my pretty friend. He's so pretty. Here's Oh my God, you're so pretty. A one Mr. Chuck Deering. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming over and bringing your hot wife. She's hot. <laughs> and she's in the room. Trophy. She's not a trophy. She's hot. And she's cute. I like her. She's nice. So how's things, man? How's life? Doing great. Doing great. Works uh, Works busy. Uh, playing. Going to the gym. Just, you go to the gym? Never. Just keeping myself busy. No I, kids. Just a house full of cats. Well, I got that too. Well, okay. Actually, I don't have that. But I sort of have that. Yeah, I didn't get my tickets to, the, to your gun show. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get any. So I had you on the show for a couple of reasons. One, because even though we've known each other for a while, we don't really know each other super well. That's number one. Number two, you were the first person that came up when I did Brian's episode, I don't know, years ago. Because you and Brian have this kind of weird, strange connection. Brian Guess is who I'm talking about. You guys have this weird, strange connection. So I think, just for history's sake, let's start there. How did you meet Brian? How did I meet him? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or how do you know him, either one? I mean, you don't have to be... Super specific, you know. You've listened to all my episodes. You know how my show works. No, I remember uh, the very first band I was in. Uh, we went by the name of Teaser at the time. Yeah, he talked about them. Uh, our he drummer, threw you under the bus a little, not our, much. Our drummer Scott Soder, who might make a good uh, guest for your show, plays. Never heard in, of him. He's a drummer. Plays, this time I'm serious. I've really never heard of him. I don't know him. <laughs> he, he plays in a band called Turn Three right now. I've heard of that band. And he is an amazing graphic artist, and he is incredible. But Oh, nice. Uh, painted his own drums. Uh, he just, he's, he's really talented. He was always talented growing up. Are you saying I need to befriend this dude? You should. Okay. You should. All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, he knew Brian. He brought Brian over, or invited Brian over to our garage one day to practice, and right. Brian showed up with his, you know, 
kid and play. His kid and play flat top. Yeah, and uh, freaking blew us away. Just, I mean, he's he so was, good. He was killer on guitar back then. Right. And uh, ended up not joining our band, but we he was cool as can be, so we became good friends and everything. He ended up in a band, and I remember the show he actually mentioned on your show was at a little bar down by UofL, down off Floyd, I think, right by uh, right, where right. Cardinal Stadium is now. So our bands played a show there together, and then Brian and I were in a music class together at UofL, and like he said, we would sit in the back of the classroom because the band I was in, all we did was original, and he was all original. Right. So we were at, uh, our, we had our Walkmans, and we were passing our earphones back and forth <laughs> in the back of the class to Here, hear check this out and then i didn't see him for years you know years went by i didn't see him and when i started working at ups in 2000 right he was in uh, a telecom group that they worked on like phones and things like that the and, smart people stuff yeah smart people and uh i was sitting there at work one day and he came in and i was like that guy looks familiar right and then once I realized who it was, I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in forever. And uh, reconnected and you know, he played uh, in his band Planet mm-hmm. with Jeff Williams, who then eventually became a drummer for Naked Garden. So yep. we've just, uh, he was a great guy, amazingly talented and just always, I mean, glad we reconnected once I got back to UPS because I hadn't seen him for a long time after we played together. Nice. All right. Enough about Brian. I'm done talking about his ass. <laughs> Let's talk about you. All right. Because, like I said a second ago, we don't know a whole lot about each other. How long have you been playing bass? Because I don't have a clue. Uh, this is where I become a shitty friend. <laughs> and by the end of this episode, you're going to be like, fuck that dude. I hate him. Go ahead. Um, I play music because of my mom. And my sister is an amazingly talented singer. My mom sang. They, every, we were always, you know, everything was at church. Right. That first band I was in, it was the drummer and the guitar player had a band, and they needed a bass player. My mom had taught me a few guitar chords, and I was playing, you know, some acoustic guitar stuff. But they needed a bass player. Right. I was like, well, I want to be in a band. But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't need a guitar player. So uh, my mom ended up buying, reluctantly bought me my first bass when I was probably thirteen. She said, "This is a fad." You're a phase that you're going through, and I'm not buying. You'll know, spend much money on an instrument, and everything. So she reluct- that. <laughs> she reluctantly bought it for me for my eighth grade graduation, and I became the bass player in that band, which I was eventually kicked out of because my amp was too small. They said, but they ended up <laughs> they ended up bringing me back into the band. So I Your guess amp's I was, too small. You got to go. So I guess I started when I was twelve, thirteen, maybe something like that. Then the garage where we used to practice was off Taylor Boulevard. Right. If you know Ron Watchmaker and Todd Rhodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Todd Rhodes lived on the next street over, and they heard us practicing one night. So Ron and Todd walked over, and, of course, Ron just... We had never seen anybody play guitar like that because he was playing, you know... Ronnie's amazing. Just ask him. He'll tell you. So totally blew us away, and those were... What are you giggling about over there in the corner? Yeah, that's what I thought. Carry on. They were our first introduction into grown up, right? You know, rock music because before that, we were taking uh, squirrel moment. How old are you? Because I don't, I don't know. Forty four. Okay, so you're a year older than me. All right. So Ronnie's seventy two. I was gonna say seventy eight. High five in the microphone. <laughs> Carry on. 
anyway, back to church. Uh, there was a guy at church who wanted to start a youth choir. Right. And he said that for a quarter a week, he would give us lessons. So he started. A literal quarter? Uh, literally. Good job. You beat me to it. Nice. A, an actual real 25 cent? Yeah. Nice. We, we, and half the time, we didn't have change. Right. So he would say, don't worry about it. Just pay me later. But uh, yeah, Later never came. Yeah. So you he owed that dude some serious royalties. <laughs> yeah. So he taught us church songs, but it was, but we were still learning the chords and the right. strings and everything. And we played in church, but we were playing, uh, you know, How Great Thou Are and things right. like that. When Ronnie and Todd came over and they showed us Led Zeppelin's rock and roll and all the stuff, he was like, ah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so. Hymns uh, are cool, but these are way cooler. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I was from 83 to 93, my teenage years, I was, you know, I'm a child of MTV. Right. And that was my, you know, I couldn't get into the bars to see all these bands. So my view was Motley Crue, Quiet Riot. Yeah. You know, so same, that, same background I had, basically. So to see Ronnie come over and he, he spun his guitar, you know, around, I was like, ah. So Todd, who wrote original music all the time. Right. Wanted to get a band to play the Carl Casper Car Show, which I know you're not from Louisville, but. There was a pretty... They used to have the Battle of the Bands. It was a pretty big deal. There would be 50 bands at the West Wing of uh, right. F- Freedom Hall, and it would be packed. You know, so- Even though I'm not from here, I did. I was forced to learn a lot about this damn city, but a lot of it's actually really cool. And I don't know if you know this, um, I'm actually into cars and hot rods. I go to most of the car shows every year, and I went to Carl Casper every year until it ended. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, it, it was a... A pretty big deal for the bands. Oh, they? yeah. I remember somebody, I didn't mean to cut you off again, but I remember somebody recently was, was talking about it, and they were, not only were they kind of bummed that Carl Casper's gone, but they were telling me about the Battle of the Bands and how big they used to be. Yeah, it was, so Todd got the three of us, guitar player, bass player, and drummer, to basically be his band. It's, this was in 87, I think. But he needed a lead guitar player. So he said, I know a guy. And so this Guy shows up at our garage with this cut-off pink and black polka dot shirt, bleach blonde hair down to his chest, and he we was thought, hot. We thought, oh my God, CC Deville just walked in. <laughs> it was Carl Stuck, and Carl's playing, you know, guitar behind his head. You know, girls are going crazy out in the crowd, and well, Carl is kind of cute. You know, true, but these guys, you know, they showed me. What I saw on MTV that was, they made it real. They right. made it. What you thought was unattainable is actually, you really can do it. Yeah. And uh, they, I think they set my goals pretty high for how I wanted to play. And you don't have to stand over in the corner, you know, and especially the bass player. Like, uh, By the way, while you're sitting in front of me, let me, I owe you an apology oh, on, on the show. No, no, no. I owe you an apology on the show. On Dave Moody's episode, I said that the majority of bass players are boring, and they are, with the exception of you. <laughs> you are the one that sticks out, and I owe you an apology. I was wrong. There are a few of you that are not boring. You are not one of them. So there Thank you go. You. You're welcome. I thought about that after I posted it. I went, shit, Chuck is so not boring on stage. <laughs> Damn it. So well, I apologize to you on the show. I saved it for the show. Well, when uh, when Ron came over and you know he was playing all this music, we you know blowing our minds, and he was like, "Ah, if you want to play bass, you know you need to listen to Iron Maiden, you need to know Steve Harris." And he was talking, right. all these, 
And then he said, you really should go take lessons from Chip Adams. So gotcha. 14 years old, I signed up, uh, started taking lessons from Chip. And, you know, so a step up from what I was doing for the quarter a week, he was actually showing me real stuff. Right. And, you know, finger exercises. And, you know, we eventually, like, was showing me how to play, you know, uh, roundabout by uh, yes and things like that. So, you know, made my playing a lot better. And then as I got exposed to more... Uh, not just the MTV stuff, but everybody says, oh, you have to listen to Jocko and all this kind of stuff. So I start... Who was fucking nuts. <laughs> True. But that's yeah, one of the things... I know I'll, you've seen that documentary. I've read his book. His I didn't know he had a book. Yeah. I called, saw that documentary. That dude was out of his mind. It's just called Jocko. And uh, uh, I, I really liked the fact that he was so talented, mm-hmm. but he would do backflips and stuff off of his amp on stage. Yep. And I guess all those things like... I. I try to grab little pieces of different people as inspiration. I'm right. like, okay, you can be good and not just stand over in the corner and you be know, a shoegazer. Yeah. So I, I, I already apologize, man. Leave it alone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, when I, you know, I, I love playing some ACDC. It's a good time and you can, you know, drink your beer and play it at the same time. But, you know, I enjoy playing stuff that pushes you a little more. Right. But I think you can do that with, a fun attitude also. Well, absolutely. That's why there's, and I don't talk about it often because I don't really, I don't give it a whole lot of thought. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it, but there's, and I'm not saying anybody in particular, I'm not giving examples, not because I'm afraid to, I just can't think of any names off the top of my head, but there's a lot of guys from here and from Atlanta and other cities I've lived that think what I do is garbage as far as all my flash and all that bullshit. And I've told them all the same thing. I tell them every time I don't do that shit for me. I don't do that shit for you guys. I do that shit for whoever's in that room and paid their money to come see me. Do I have fun doing it? Most of the time I do. But I said it on Dave's episode. That shit hurts. After a while, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I, get, I wake up from gigs. It takes me a few minutes to get out of bed. But the point I'm getting at is I don't do it for other drummers. And now this I have said on the show. I don't care what other drummers think about me. I could give two shits. If you think I'm awesome, cool. If you think I suck, cool. I, I don't really care. Because they're never going to hire me for a gig. They may hire me for a fill-in, and that's a completely different scenario. Or scenario, if you're an asshole to cloak Dane Cook, which I think (laughs) is funny as shit. But seriously, I don't do it for any other reason than to entertain people. It's my job. That's our job. There's a very small period of time where being a shoegazer was cool. Granted, everything that's flying out of my face right now is my opinion. There's a very small window of time where being a shoegazer was cool. Oh, I'm artsy fartsy. That shit got old quick because people were going as they were spending their money to go see a show and they weren't seeing anything. We're just listening to four or five dudes play some song. Well, I could have saved 150 bucks and sat on my couch for this. You know what I mean? So, I, believe, I know in some conversations, I I believe the same way you do that I'm I'm going to see something. Mm-hmm. I I buy the music. I can listen to it and hear it exactly how it's supposed to sound yep so i'm okay with a mistake you know but if i'm i, I am too if you're in the studio yeah you try to you know you're working to nail that you know as perfect Absolutely. as you can you're not twirling sticks in the studio you know but, but when i'm out seeing a band especially a band that's you know you're playing stuff to try to entertain the crowd yep. i mean if i've always a big fan of the story of how huey lewis and the news got signed if you've ever Read about it, but it's basically ringing, they were. It's ringing a bell, but it's not. Give it to me because I don't remember it off the top of my head. Basically, they were in a 
a dead bar. Nobody was there. And a, a record guy shows up, not even there to sign him. He just happens to come there. And they're playing like they're playing in front of an arena full of people. And he thought, if they're playing like that to nobody, what would they do in front of... I have heard that story. That's I, and, I do remember that now. And even like when I've, you know, I've been playing before and it's an empty bar, I'm consciously telling myself, you know, don't just stand here. It doesn't matter if there's one person right. out there. If you're bored, they're bored. If Absolutely. You- the only thing I do different when they're when if they're if I'm in that situation where the room's kind of empty, I don't do quite as much. And the only reason I do, and I freely admit it, is because it does physically hurt me. So after a while, I'm like, okay, there's only 20 people in here, and 15 of them are paying their tabs. I don't need to do that many tricks right now. I'm good. I'm just and, gonna lay down a groove. And especially for the drummer, you know, somewhat doesn't hurt. Like when I, you know, move around or whatever, but right, I just I'll catch myself sometimes, kind of standing there. You see that? <laughs> that's from that's from a week and a half ago. I <laughs> just I'll showed catch, a big nasty blister on my hand. I'll catch my myself standing there. What are you looking I, at, lady? Getting her, picking her hairdo. <laughs> but I'll catch myself standing there, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, yeah. I, you know, if I'm bored, they're bored, and I have to, you know, remind myself. It's easy when the crowd's all into it. Absolutely. It's work sometimes. It is work. And, and I've said this for years. I, I wrote about it in the book. I, I've, I've tried to pass it on to most of my older students. If somebody gets off their ass, hopefully takes a shower, gets in their car, drives to where you're playing, pays a cover, some cities pays to park, waddles their ass up to the bar, and then waddles their ass up to the stage. If I'm on that stage, my job is to entertain them. If I don't do that, or if I don't at least attempt to do it, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. That's what I get paid for. And it, there's something to be said about what you said earlier about you go to see a show. When's the last time you said, hey, let's go hear Motley Crue at the Coliseum? You've never said that in your life. Nobody has. You say, dude, I'm totally going to see Crew at the Yum Center. <laughs> and you say it like you're a 12-year-old because you're excited <laughs> to go, quote, see the show. Yeah. Like I've said it on the show on this podcast before. Why why do you think Kiss has had a forty something year career? They're not the greatest musicians. They're, and I'm not dogging them. They've yeah. said that out of their own mouth. But you go to see that show. You go to see the fucking Pyro and Gene Spit Blood and Paul fly around and drum solos out the ass, which I don't go for drum solos, but whatever. But you get the point. I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right. I think somewhere people just forget about that. Musicians forget and they get too caught up in the, well, this note has to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect because you didn't write that note. If you're in an original band, completely different world. And I get it. But you and I, both we do the same thing. We're, we're in covers. I mean, I haven't been in originals for a while. It's too damn complicated. <laughs> too much drama. Not enough money. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, that was it. That well, was fine. There, we're done with that part. Now, you play, you're still in, everything's good with From Paris, right? Yeah, we okay. just uh, just the nature of what we do. We're not usually uh, playing every weekend by design. That was never the the goal. The goal of the band. Yeah, because so. you do a lot of private and corporate stuff, right? Yeah. And are you doing weddings too? Yeah, a lot of weddings. But with weddings, you know, different months are a little busier than uh, other. Yeah, we do. I don't do gas money. Doesn't do as many weddings as I would like, um, but we do a few, and most of them are. Probably towards the end of the summer. At least for us, most of them are towards the end of the summer. We do have one uh, next month in Lexington. Are you going to crash it? I will get you to talk. You will utter something. You will. Mm-hmm. I'll get you. 
I'll get you. Take me a minute, but I'll get you. The microphone doesn't pick up middle fingers, does it? No. <laughs> I wish it did. That would be cool. Um, when's the last time you guys played together? Uh, we did play New Directions. Was that the last show we did? She has a much better memories than I do. I think New Directions was... She's nodding her head. I'll take that as a yes. February? March? Yeah, March. So it's been a little while. Now, for those, most of most of our, our core friends will know, but for those that don't know, who's in that band with you? Uh, from Paris, Kimmett Cantwell, Eric Horton, Bob Ramsey, and Donnie Highland, and my son. Oh, yeah, then you. <laughs> then, there, then there's you. Then there's me. Then there's you. The cute one over in the corner, <laughs> jumping around. Um, and when did you guys start that band? They actually started before I joined. Jeff Crane was the original bass player. I know Jeff. I don't know him well, but I know him. And, Good uh, player. I was doing a similar type thing with Alan Needham mm-hmm. and Sarah Smith, my brother-in-law, Mark Hubry. Who is Mark Hubry? Why is that name? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Why does that name ring a bell? Uh, Mark started playing with uh, Kevin and Chip with the avant-garde dogs and stuff. Duh. And he that's played, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played yeah, yeah. in uh, Pink Floyd. Sorry. His name starts, his last name starts with a W, so I always forget it's pronounced that way. Hey, I've admitted I'm fucking dumb. Who? I got no problem. Really? Yeah, I got it, Chuck. I got it. I threatened to punch you, but your arms would crush me. But- so anyway, that band uh, ended up kind of fizzling out. About the same time, uh, Jeff left from Paris, and they came and called and asked if I would be interested in joining. And uh, not too long after I was with them, we... Uh, Rob Johnson, uh, bless his heart, was our original guitar player, mm-hmm. who was an amazing, amazing, amazing. And he passed away of cancer. Right. So we were fortunate enough to have uh, Shane Eisenberg fill in for several gigs with us. But we went on a little hiatus for a while because we didn't have a regular guitar player until right. we were blessed with Eric Horton, who came into our lives and been great ever since yeah that, that dude's good i've only got a chance to play with eric a couple times um when and I was as doing good this. as he is i know it's a cliche but he's 10 times a better guy he's just oh he's a super nice dude we become you know he joined the band and i've never been in a band that was actually uh i've never had a band that had auditions you know it was like hey i know a guy that's not playing anywhere <laughs> and, right and so with from paris when we were looking for a new guitar player um some people auditioned and it was we were looking for something really specific. Right. And Eric, as amazing as he is, he can, you know, play all the leads and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, if a song calls for three chords and Taylor Swift, you know, to get people to dance, he'll play, play three chords and Taylor Swift. Yeah. He's, he's just uh, so good. I mean, right now he's filling in with Kimmet tonight at, uh, in Doug's place. So gotcha. if you're filling in for Doug Florio, you're. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Well, what I was going to say is is I played with, um, only a couple times, but I played with Eric when I was doing some stuff with Peter Searcy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Many years ago. I, I, shit, I'd only been in town a couple of years, so I guess eight, nine years ago is when I did it. Um, and, and Eric and I aren't that aren't close, and I'm not saying that because there's any beef. I just, I've never had a chance to really hang with him. I've only got to play with him a couple of times, but every time I've ever seen him out, he's super fucking cool. Oh, super yeah, nice dude. Great dude. So... Before we go to social media issues, how long were you in Naked Garden? 
I was in Naked Garden for two stints. I was the original bass player. What exactly is a stint? Well, not like the stint in Does your, your heart. Does your hot wife know? <laughs> two uh, time periods. You're good, girlfriend. I got to give you credit. You're good. I'll find something to make your ass talk. At least giggle. You got to give me a giggle. <laughs> Nothing? Fine. Whatever. Go ahead. Back I, to you. I was the original bass player when we started 15 years ago. It's been around that long? Yeah. As a matter of fact, last weekend, uh, Kevin always throws a anniversary birthday Naked Garden party right. where all the ex-members come back. So we actually just did that last weekend. Our very first show was 15 years ago. Actually, pretty much this week because our first show was at a little bar down on us on Broadway for uh, Thunder Over Louisville. Oh, nice. Very cool. And uh, so we, you know, we were all young and green and right. uh, cutting our teeth and the bar scene and Kevin is a phenomenal businessman. Like he, he ended up getting us in uh, Phoenix Hill and some of the places. And uh, he, he would just put the band first all the time and really try to, you know, drive the band. And every time there's been a member come or go, he keeps it going. Right. I, I would joke well, and he's, a, he's another one too. That's super nice dude. Kevin? Yeah, super nice dude. Yeah, he's, At least to me, he is. Oh, he's super cool. And uh, he supports, you know, the live Yeah, he's come to see us a few times. And, of course, we've gone to see him a few times. I've never seen them with you in the band, which is weird. Oh, really? Yeah. The la- in fact, the last time I saw him, I was... Uh, Gas Money was at Baxter's, and they were at Wicks. I was walking from Starbucks to Baxter's, and I saw Jeff sitting on the street. He was waiting at the red light, and he had his drums in his truck. So I walked over and I actually I kind of ran over and I stepped my coffee on his truck on the hood of his truck and I started acting like I was humping his truck and he looked at me for a minute before he realized it was me and then he starts laughing and he starts beeping his horn and stuff but anyway we they came to see us for a set and then when we got done because we always get done early at Baxter's we went over to Wicks Stacy actually went over there before we were done um, she took a few of her friends over there so it was really cool but he's long story short. He's always been super cool and super supportive. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, they're they're all great guys. And Except so, that Jeff, dude. <laughs> God, what an ass. I'm just kidding. Uh, ass, his uh, nickname is Richard. <laughs> FYI. Good to know. And Kevin gave him that. But, uh, so I started, we started in 2003. And I played until 2005, I guess. I was still in college at the time. We got married. We bought a house, and I had back surgery, and I, I so I couldn't do anything for a while. Right. And so, uh, I'm like this, the only thing I can give up right now is music. I have to go to school. I have to work, and all these things. So I stopped playing. They got another bass player, and they went on. You know, kept it going. I eventually got to the point where I was like, I have to play again. Right. Andy Ramser was just starting her first band at the time, uh, and they needed a bass player. So they got me to play bass. So I played bass with them for a while, and it was just different kind of music. Right. They were doing a different kind of music, uh, kind of more the, the lighter stuff. In my heart, I still was a, a rock guy. Right. So after Naked Garden went through a couple of different bass players, Kevin called me one day, and he's like, our bass player you know, just left, and would you want to come back and 
It's like, yes, I need to play some tool. <laughs> you know, you can only, can only play I need the, to play something heavy. I'll be there tomorrow. I can only play B fifty twos. You know, so I mean, but uh, no, they What's were wrong great. With Love Shack, no, but nothing. I like it's the, just I rusted. Like the, I like the pause right there. Oh, look at you with the rusted. That was good. So I joined went back to the Naked Garden, and we were. It was probably eight years, eight more years that I was with them again. So right. Uh, probably 10 years with them total out of their 15. I didn't realize you were with them twice. Now, why did you leave? This time? Yeah. A lot of things, but when my mom died, mm-hmm. that was a, that played a big factor into it. My, I'm giving all kinds of personal stuff, but my mom was one of 15 kids. So my extended family is huge. I would say so. So uh, there were just always things, you know, Family wanting to do stuff, you know, everything, you know, her wanting to go do things, take weekend trips. And it was always, you know, I can't, I got a gig, I got a gig, I can't do it, I got a gig. And when my mom passed away, we were sitting there in the hospice room and just looking around the room, there was cousins, family, aunts, right. uncles, you know, Christy and. You mean the hot chick over there in the corner that refuses yeah. to speak? That yeah. one? And, uh, Oops, you know, she giggled, I heard it. As much as I love the people who would come support me and all that kind of stuff, you know, like, there's nobody from the bar here. Right. Of You know, why do I put, you know, the most important people in my life? Second. Second all I the time. It. To do this, which yeah. I love doing it, but it's not like you're making a ton of money. Right. That's not my career. You know, I have. Yeah, you career. have a big boy job. <laughs> So I've was, been to your house, little mister. Not, you know, most of it was... Your house is nice. Most of it, we had to get a bigger one because of all the cats. <laughs> That's okay, I'll come babysit him. I like that little tiny black one. <laughs> so that, that was, those were the main core reasons. Just uh, life's uh, priorities change. No, I, I get it. And again, thank you for sharing. You didn't have to. Um... No, I get it. Stacy and I talk about that all the time, and and you, uh, as my friend Anna, I guess a listener of my show, I wouldn't call you a fan because you're my friend, and that's just fucking weird. As you've listened to all the shows, her that's why I wanted her on the show. Her episode was really cool, and I got a lot of really positive feedback from that, from most of our mutual friends going, dude, she's got great insight on that. I never thought about it that way. But there does come a point where you just kind of go, all right, I've missed... 87 fucking birthdays. I've missed 47 weekend trips. Uh, wife is super mad at me because I put this off for 27 times. I get it. And eventually you just kind of either stop or you pull back. I can never stop. Now I have pulled back. But if I stopped, oof. there was that's a true story. We didn't talk about it on her episode, but I guess it was a few years ago. There was probably four months where I didn't gig. And she literally, there's one, she walked in the room one day, she walked in the living room, and I was sitting there, and I was just a, I was a ball of just piss and vinegar, and she goes, you need to go fucking play. (laughs) It, I, I've, I've become a very miserable human being if I don't play. So I have to find that balance for me as well as for everything else. The advantage I have over someone like you, I'm not from here. I don't have any family here, and I'm not. I'm not super family oriented 
and I don't mean that in a shitty way. I just, I never have been. Yeah. I don't think blood makes you family. I think you can kind of choose your family. Um, I come from a line of um, fucking weirdos. <laughs> uh, my pop is awesome. My sister is awesome. One of my brothers is kind of cool and fuck the rest of them. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, but I'm, it's, it, it, I get exactly where you're coming from. I'm pretty blessed. I have a, our family is really close. And I have tons of pictures. I mean, being out playing and my mom would be there. And even mm-hmm. my, my parents were a little older. So even as older parents, I remember playing a, a place over off Shelbyville Road called CD Graffiti's. And it was a... That's the coolest name ever. Well, it was actually during the day, it was a laser tag. And then at night, they would have bands. Nice. And so it's like a maze. But over in the corner, there was a stage. But it was at the Did time... Did you have to go through the maze to get to the stage? Uh, you, that would have been yeah, cool. It, well, it, the whole place was kind of a maze. So, like, there was an area that was a little open so people could kind of dance. Did you chase Christy around the maze with hot dog grabbers? Oh, this was way before we ever met. Damn it. This was early, early 90s, probably. But uh, it was kind of a punk, a little bit kind of right. scene there. And I can still remember when you came in, you had to get wanded and go through, like, a metal detector. Yeah. And so... I remember standing there because we were playing that night and here comes my mom and dad walking in and these are older gray haired people. And there's my dad up against the wall getting wanded <laughs> right, right behind a guy with a big green mohawk and a dog collar. Dog collar. That's awesome. But they, they were very supportive of me all the time. And, uh, you know, letting me play my kiss record on their coffee table stereo in the nice. living room. So, it was, uh, I was really blessed and family still comes out to, especially from Paris. They really like the type of music we do. So my right. aunts and uncles love it. No, I get that. I, uh, I can count on one hand the amount of times, let me rephrase that with the exception of my pop. Cause he's awesome. I can count on one hand the amount of times family has come to see me play. They don't have a clue what I do. <laughs> they just don't get it. Um, and I'm not dogging him. It just, it is what it is. And, and maybe, I'm, not, I'm not playing the sad violin either. Again, it is what it is. And maybe because my mom was so into music mm-hmm. and like, since so she taught me, you know, the, the first things I knew about music. So I, I think she had an appreciation for it. Right. Because I think she thought I was probably going to put the guitar down like a week after starting it. Right. I think she was really surprised to see me pursue it so much. Well, I think that's, there's something to be said about that for the, uh, and not getting philosophical, just my stupid dime store opinion for that parent child dynamic, because my dad and I, it, it, we didn't like each other for many, many, many years. I mean, we really didn't like each other. And he used to tell me all the time, fucking music is just shit. It's just stupid. Do, 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 do. He would go on and on and on about how stupid it was. And you know this about me because you're my friend. I didn't go to music school till I was 29. Yes, Louisville people, I didn't just start in music school. I paid a lot of dues for 17, 18 years before I went to music school. So stop telling me that I'm the music school kid. Oh, I get on my nerves. Anyway, I didn't go to music school till I was 29. I graduated at 31. And he showed up to my graduation. Now, I this is in Atlanta. He lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Drove. Down, I didn't know he was coming. Drove down to my graduation. We did the whole dinner thing, and the greatest, one of the greatest days of my life. We're sitting at Olive Garden. I'll never forget this. And he looked across the table at me, and he goes, 
I owe you an apology. And I said, for what? He said, I thought this shit was a phase. He said, and you just graduated music school with a 4.0. <laughs> I said, yeah, I did. He said, I'm sorry. I ever doubted you. And I'm proud of you. And we've been best friends ever since. Because I think it finally took him to realize, or took him seeing that, me not, never giving up. Not only am I going to keep doing this, I went to music school too. I went to music school as an old dude. Because 29 in the music, music world, I'm ancient. So by now I'm fucking what? We're Methuselah, right? Because yeah. you're the you're same age as me. But he finally realized, oh shit, he's really going to do this in some capacity. And that, that was like one of my proudest moments my pop just looking at me and going I, i'm sorry and i'm proud of you i was like sweet i think it, at least for me anyway i don't think people realize how important that is to have that uh, acceptance and or whatever you want to call it from somebody who's that influential to you like mm-hmm. like a parent would be yeah because i think that was a big driving force when, when my mom initially thought all oh, this is a phase you're gonna go through that like I think that almost kind of pushed me to want to prove her wrong at first. Oh, absolutely. And then eventually, you know, when I did that to my parents, oh yeah, I'll fucking show you. No, I get it. And you know, the kind of the whole time you're wanting to prove them wrong, but at the same time you want them to to approve, to of, approve it. of it. Absolutely, and I get so, it. But yeah, I hundred percent agree. All right, so let's move on to social media issues. All right, so before you talk about social media issues, your wife is a fruitcake. <laughs> I just found out that your wife does not like coffee. The smell of it makes her nauseous. That is not fucking human. But because she's an amazing woman, I suppose I will let it slide. But she gets up every morning at 3.30, so you'd think she would... Need something. Need something. But I, I normally say I don't trust people that don't drink coffee, but it really makes her nauseous. That's weird. She's not going to talk, and it's fine, but that's just fucking weird. I now think, I'm wondering, do you drink coffee? I'll drink it at work sometimes, but not. Oh, regular. God, you're both lame. That's it. Show's over. Get the fuck out. I'm done with both of you. She has a makeup bag in her purse, but I think it's actually full of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you got for social media issues? Social media issues. Uh, hmm. I'm a big believer in uh, Uncle Ben's uh, philosophy from Spider-Man. That with great power becomes great responsibility. Ah. So I think with social media, I work in IT. Mm-hmm. So my career is supporting technology that allows people to share information. Right. I think it's critical. I think it's important. I think there are life-changing benefits to it. Right. At the same time, it's a double-edged sword. There's a lot of crap that comes along with it i agree you've listened to all my shows you know how i feel carry on i think one of the things i dislike the most is what it reflects of us meaning i get caught up in it so i know other people do sometimes but you get caught up in seeing people's posts about how great everything is and all of a sudden, you get sucked into comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing. And oh, I got you. Why isn't my life as good as theirs? And just the... Uh, For the record, your wife is nodding her head. She agrees. And then you... You know, somebody makes a post that really... It, they're just stating something. But it, it's just like... 
people get feel the need they have to voice their opinion on that person's opinion. Right. Just, I mean, whether you agree or disagree, just let that person have their opinion and go on with your day. See, and that kind of stuff fascinates me, and, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but that's one of the reasons why I wanted social media issues on my show. Eventually, it's probably going to go away, because so far, track record is everybody loves it, but they fucking hate it. Yeah. But the reason it fascinates me is because I see that kind of stuff on social media, and I don't give two shits. I don't. I just look at it and go, cool. Or I look at it when they post what they ate and go, you're an idiot. <laughs> I just, but it fascinates me how people can sometimes get caught up in that stuff. And I'm by, of course, I'm saying, not saying that I'm perfect or I'm oblivious to everything. I think there's just a part of me that I just don't give enough of a shit for certain things not to mess with me. Does that make sense? No. And I like when I see, I'm not- Your posts are funny though. Well, like uh, I am me, calling you out. Your posts are funny. That one you did today about the 1998 and 20 uh, years we'll have flying cars and in 2018 stop eating Tide Pods. That was pretty damn funny. I don't care a, where you got it. It was funny. I mean, I, I think stuff like that is, you know, that's the re- only reason I use it, either to promote a band I'm in or to make somebody, you know, laugh a little bit. But if somebody else wants to voice their opinion on politics... That's their opinion. I'm going to scroll past it because I don't care about politics. Right. But well, you like, know I don't. I just it I think sometimes it's sad that it shows how much people need to be right. Right. Or you know, it's like I'm always right, just ask me. <laughs> so I'll those, edit those, your ass if you disagree. I'm just kidding. <laughs> those are the things I don't like. But there's I think there's a lot of good things. I have friends who live in other states mm-hmm. and you know, all over the place and I can see what they're up to. I can see, you know, their kids, you know, growing up and right. F- I have fam- like my family is so big. It's not like we get together every weekend. So you can stay in touch with people that you don't usually get to talk to. We're all moment. Are you, f- you're from Louisville, right? Born and raised. Okay. So is all, most of your family here? Most, uh, mostly out actually like Oldham County area. Gotcha. But squirrel moment. Sorry, carry on far enough that we don't see each other every weekend, but, it's great to be able to keep My closest coming. family member is over 800 miles away. <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> I miss them. I have a good family. That's because you're a big old softy. I am. You ain't mama's hide, boy. You ain't hiding nothing with them guns. You're a big old softy. Big mama's boy. You said it, not me. I'm not getting punched in the mouth. <laughs> I'm proud of it. <laughs> That's good, though. That's a good thing. My mother's little wacky. No, she's a little fruitcake. And God, wait, what does it Southerners say? Bless her heart. Bless her heart. God love her. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. God love her. Um, well, no, I, I, uh, I say it pretty much every episode, and I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to finally smack me. Technology is the greatest, worst thing ever invented, and it's just like everything else. People just abuse it, and they, they shit on it, and they use it for the wrong reasons. That's why I always like the story of the. Alfred Nobel and the Nobel Prize that he invented dynamite and then his brother died before he did mm-hmm. and a French reporter mistakenly thought he died and he wrote a paper in the article that the minister of death had died. So Alfred Nobel was like he invented it for the use for like construction like to tear mountains down. Right. And he thought oh my god is this how I'm going to be remembered because my invention ended up 
being used for so many terrible things. So he created the Nobel Prize, you know, for in peace and science, all those things, because he wanted a better legacy to be left instead of the minister of death. And so, uh, I don't know, I just always think it's, you know, when you're in technology and you see the great things it can do, I mean, the the benefits that it's allowed for, you know, medical purposes and right. everything that there's so many good things. The internet is amazing. I mean, oh, absolutely. How many things, you know, you know, you need to know, or, you know, you, we, we learn about situations in other countries, you know, right away. No, I get it. I, I completely agree with you. It's, so it's the, the running joke between Todd and I is he'll ask me a dumb question. Or I'll ask him a dumb question. <laughs> I have to throw him under the bus cause it's just fun for me. But the the response is usually, oh, if there was only a handheld device that would give us the answer. But it's true. I mean, you can find every, anything you want, and it's amazing. Flip side, it's made us all lazy. A little lazy. Uh, When's the last time you picked up a dictionary? Well, exactly. I don't know if that makes it lazy. Cause... No, but it's a small thing. But if you think about it in, in that sense, because yeah. you're my age, we used to have to go to the library and shit. Oh, yeah. We used to have to actually pick up a book. I still remember my parents had the Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannicas, yes! Every, Did they have the blue ones or the maroon ones? The maroon ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. High five in the microphone. Every year, the, the, I had new, the, blue ones. the new one would come. For mm-hmm. the, and I had the blue ones, but I stole them. <laughs> that's how we would do our, you know, my book reports were nice you know, out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. But, but, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's a double-edged sword. And like anything, it's how you... Choose to use it. I think so too. I I, I think, and, and again, I, that's what I said. I've I don't. I'd have to actually sit down and count. I think this is your episode eighteen or nineteen. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Eventually, I'm gonna have to get rid of social media issues because <laughs> everybody pretty much says the same thing. I'm gonna run out of shit to talk about. Yeah. Uh, or not. Maybe we could just start throwing individual profiles under the bus. That would be kind of cool. Well, with this whole new thing that's come up with the, uh, you know the personal information that came from uh, Facebook and all that stuff. So you see me rolling my eyes right now, right? You work in IT and we have not discussed this. I'm going to throw something at you. I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. If you disagree, we're not going to talk about it because then you're going to prove me wrong on my own show and that's going to suck. If you agree, we'll talk about it. I think this whole thing about that Facebook breach and all that, I think it's fucking stupid and I will tell you why. I know she's not going to talk, but look what your wife has in her hand. What you have in your pocket when I, well, mine's actually in the kitchen, but you give your personal information away every fucking time you open your phone. True or false? No, I totally agree with that. All right. Yay. I win. <laughs> it just, I, I, I get what happened was a little fucked up. I get it. But everybody making this big giant stink. It's like, do you have any idea how much information is in your cell phone? Facebook is the least of your fucking problems. Well, that's what I even post. I jokingly said, you know, oh my gosh, they stole my information. They found out, you know. I like bacon and <laughs> music and dirty jokes. I mean, because, right. you know, if, if you're sharing stuff on Facebook that is that, you know, personal, that secretive. That's your problem. You know, that's that's not the place to put that kind of information. No. If if, uh, if your doctor shares your information, you know, that's a different It's a different story. Of, I've always thought about it in this way. If you're, nobody's really worried about you. And what I mean by that is, I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus on this one. I don't have a whole lot of shit. I don't have shit tons of money in the bank. I don't have shit tons of money in a savings account. 
I'm not really worth a whole lot. Somebody that's coming after anything I have, they're going to look at me and go, yeah, fuck that guy. He's not worth my time. And I'm not belittling myself. I, You're in my home. I have a nice place. I have nice shit. But I'm not on anybody's radar. Nobody's coming after me for my shit. Well, there is, on a flip side of that, there is some stuff, though, that with personal data, mm-hmm. that you may not have anything. They're not coming to take what you have. Oh, I have shitty credit, too. But let's say that's what <laughs> people can open right. accounts and stuff under your name. And next no, thing that. you know, you're in debt and they're, you know, they maybe went out and bought oh a bunch God, of pizza. You're and- so cute. I'm in debt now. But that, but that's what I'm getting at though. I should have, I should have said that as well. I, I'm and I'm not, I'm, I'm being completely transparent. My credit's okay. I don't have the greatest credit. I used to. I used to be able to finance the world, and then I got divorced. Because they've even used deceased people's information. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or they've actually used children's, Mm -hmm. you know, social security numbers on that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's, I get it that, you know, if if somebody stole your Facebook information, if you have anything on there that's really critical, that's kind of on you. Right. But but there is, you know, I think there's a fine line. When When you're entrusting somebody... With your information, right? Then they are. I think they're responsible for it. But at the same time, you know, if you have, you don't. I think you don't pin levels. your social security number to your front door, right? I think there's different levels. But then again, to talk about the phone because everybody does everything on their phone now. I I know a few people, more than one, that have done their taxes on their phone. Hmm. Are you fucking serious? At least use a computer for that. Got a little bit of a better block, not much, but a little bit better than, because anybody can hack a phone. You know what I mean? Because you've got so many apps. Again, I'm not computer smart. I just find it amusing that everybody's making a big stink about this when you put so much information in your phone any damn way. That's just my opinion. It's funny how a lot of data is stolen, though, because a lot of people worry about transactions online and things like that. But most of those applications, like a tax app and stuff like that, mm-hmm. The data, the actual data that you're putting in mm-hmm. is encrypted. So usually it's not as you enter that. A lot of times it's much more low level, like security breaches that you don't think about. Like, oh, really? People leaving a computer unlocked or guessing your password. Mm-hmm. Or like the old phones where when you swipe the screen oh, a yeah, certain yeah. way. Yep. Well, when it's off, you can actually like see the pattern that they would, you know, swipe with, whatever. Yep. So a lot of stuff is stolen like that. But there are uh, a lot of times when a lot of these big companies are hacked, what they do is they'll hack into their database. And then once they get the database, that's where they, they'll have access. That's to where everything is. Thousands and thousands of customers' information and stuff yep. like that. But but it's all a risk we all take every time we get online. It's True, you know I'm posting this online, right? I mean, every time you step outside the door, you I mean you're there's a chance you could get hit. I mean, every hit know, my bus. We're I've always been saying that for years. We're we always hit uh, my bus. We're always taking chances. Just got to be careful. I think your wife needs to take a chance and talk. Damn it, she's not even breathing loud. I know, right? Is she even breathing? You better check on her. Put a mirror up. Uh, do the do the old school fog test. I like it. This mirror gets foggy. She's alive. <laughs> so let's move on to stories from the stage. Yeah. 
Alright, so what do you got for me? Give me a story or two or three or however many you want to throw at me. Stories from the stage. Something that sticks out in your mind. Uh, Actually, one that I still think is kind of funny was actually that show we did with Brian. The stage was outside, Mm -hmm. not covered, and it was just a big wooden, like, plywood stage. Oh, one of the super bouncy ones? Yeah. I hate those. And it rained, like, early that morning or the night before or something like that. So it it was damp. Mm Mm-hmm. So I like to run around on stage. So I went to take off across the stage, slipped, fell flat on my face. And oh. So that was kind of funny. But uh, I don't have a lot of really cool ones because I've just mostly been a weekend warrior bar gig kind of stuff. Um, Listen, I've played enough bars in my life. You've either seen some shit on stage or you've seen some shit after being on stage it doesn't have necessarily have to do with you it could be just anything that you witnessed because trust me i you've i have ego lights and i can still see some shit going on going did that just fucking ha- that just fucking happened Gordon, well, they got the typical bar fights out there in the middle of the stage one of my favorites though was we played phoenix hill and puddle of mud had been in a concert had done a concert that night in the saloon see here we go and so we played after their concert. We played the rest of the night. Right. But they hung around and had their little merch table and all that kind of stuff. And the singer left, but the guitar player and the drummer hung out for a while. And they ended up getting up on stage with us and jamming a few songs. So the guitar player is playing. The drummer is back on Jeff's kit. This was a Halloween night, so it was a good packed house at Phoenix Hill. Jeff had had a couple drinks, maybe. No. So Not we had Jeff. done a couple songs with, with them. Right. And so Jeff comes back on stage and Jeff typically never sings anything. So as Jeff walks by, he just grabs my mic and just drags it over. And he <laughs> looks back at the drummer of Puddle of Mud and he says, play Black Sabbath, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> So we proceeded to play Black Sabbath, and Jeff sang. <laughs> nice. What song? Uh, N.I.B. Nice. How did he sing it? Uh, kind of like Ozzy would today. That's fantastic. I love it. Oh, God. That's good shit. Oh, yeah. I love you, Jeff. Uh, some days I love you, Jeff. <laughs> today, I love you. I don't even know if he listens to the show. He better. He needs to. He does. God, no, that's cool. I think, I think we've all had so many combined experiences, whether we were involved in something or just saw some shit. I mean, dude, how much random shit have we seen from the stage? Just start pointing shit out going, I did that. That dude just hit his girlfriend. This is not going to end. I've seen it. I know you've seen it at least once. One thing I do think is funny, it's not so much necessarily from the stage, but just from a night at a club, is you, know, you get there early to set up, uh-huh. then you play, and then you're there late uh-huh. to tear down everything. Yeah, the playing is for free. We but get paid for the setup and the teardown. I think it's funny because I've been in bars where it, you watch people come in, and they come in sober, and then they get drunk. And you, I've seen like entire relationships take place over the course of the night they came in sober oh absolutely they met somebody next thing you know 
They're all over one another. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, they're pissed drunk. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're fighting. And then at the end of the night, you know, one of them's crying, the other one's gone. <laughs> and I'm like, you met that guy like three hours ago. How he just had you, a whole relationship. Had a whole relationship in the last three hours. That's true. And I'm like, wow. I, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that several times. And, and I never put it. I never put it together that way. But that's good. I like it. I just always thought it was kind of humorous because I was like. That's a lot of emotions in, <laughs> in a three-hour three window. Yeah. Wow. What do you think? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I'm going to lose this battle, aren't I? You bring one of the cats in. She might talk to it. Oh, she threw her head back and closed her eyes. That means that's a weakness there. <laughs> all right, so all those are good things. So let's move on to what am I listening to? Everything that... Hey, you listen to the show, motherfucker. You know there's some music right here. All right, so what do you got? What are you jamming on? Uh, everything that Carl Stuck posts and everything See, that Sway what, on Oh, show. my God, what Carl has done. I love it. I do love it. It's annoying to me only because I don't do favorite anything. I hate doing it. And even after I did my 10 records, I, I really wanted to go back and do 10 more because oh, I was yeah. like, well, that one's... It, it, oh, shit. Well, I always, I always feel... But I'm glad he did that he did it is what I was getting at. But uh, not really. He he has a lot of good suggestions that you know, like I've never heard of them. I'll check them out. Oh, absolutely. But I I wish sometimes I wish I was more. I don't know what the word is with my music. Uh, cerebral is the only word that comes to mind. But you know, I always That's hear a big fucking word. I always hear everybody talk about these. You know, you know, prog rock type bands or these. You know, right. Really way out there type stuff and and maybe because of the music I grew up on and MTV and everything I appreciate all that stuff and I listen to it I'm like wow that bass player is really good that guitar player is really good I'll listen to that you know right but it's usually not what I'm gonna turn up in the car and you know I get it. Release my mind while I'm sitting in traffic on the way home it's what Dave calls it you like big dumb rock right yeah and I'm not belittling it because that was the, when he said that. And him and I have been friends for years. But when he said that, I went, "That's fucking genius. That's what it is." But you don't have to think about it. Yeah. And so there's a band called Black Torah that I've really been into lately. It's it's a three piece band, but guitar player actually really is killer. But it's just it's just good hard rock. I have to check them out. I haven't heard of them. It's uh you know. I remember seeing them on your feed, but I haven't listened to any of it. So I've really been into them lately. But then another thing I've actually gotten really into is because I did love the the 80s music and grew mm-hmm. up on it, once all that was over and it kind of became a, a stigma to say that you liked anything oh, from yeah. the 80s or whatever, whatever, I didn't, you know, I didn't listen to any of that stuff. It wasn't on the radio anymore. Right. Well, I actually didn't realize until not too long ago, a lot of those bands that I really liked released music oh yeah a lot of them put out shit tons of records and so i've actually especially with you know the the streaming music available stuff since you couldn't go buy it in a store i'm like huh let me look up you know uh torah 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 or uh or lynch mob with george phantom rider was one of my fucking jams back in the day well they have i love that record they have a couple song i mean they have a couple really good albums after that album oh do they lynch mob had albums out as recent as 2007. I think I didn't know that about them. Because he did... Who was that Project George Lynch did? 
he did a project with somebody recently. Well, he did KXM with uh, Doug Pennick. Yeah, and, that, that's uh, it. Corn's, uh, what's Corn's drummer's name? Uh, Dave Lugier. Which that's Lugier. really good. I do listen to that. That's uh, they L U Z I E R. I don't know how to pronounce that shit. KXM is a band. Yeah, that stuff was really, really good. Yeah, they are good. I do like them. But uh, Black Tour is one I've been listening to a lot. I need lately. to check them out. It's, I mean, like I said, if you like uh, just hard driving, you know, it's really guitar driven. So it's a lot of the, the guitar player is really good. Uh, drummer doesn't do anything that might, it's not going to blow you away or anything. But like I said, you can turn it up loud in your car and you know, have a good time. <laughs> but so that's, that's the one that I've been listening to the most. And then a lot of the other things that people have suggested on your show, I go and check out because that's the thing with a lot of the you know, radio stations, they kind of tell you what you have to listen to right and if you don't if you aren't exposed to it any other way how do you even hear about it yeah you're not you're not really gonna know and and it's and i don't know if i've ever said this on the show or not but i've never been a huge fan of radio and and i don't i'm not slamming on it radio is the most one of the most amazing inventions ever music history as we know it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for radio tesla has some really good new stuff too dude speaking of radio oh nice I did check that out. Um, Simplicity is their newest album. Well, Dave, when Dave was on here, he was talking about Judas Priest's new record. Yeah. Um, but the point I'm getting at is I've never been a radio listener because it annoyed me. I would, and yeah. the reason it annoyed me was the commercials. And when I talked about this one in one of my episodes, but the, when you were trying to make, quote, mixtapes and the fucking DJ wouldn't shut up, it started to annoy me. So I started doing the whole record thing. But the point I'm getting at is I would do... I would ask all my friends what they were listening to and what they hated. And I would go immediately to what they hated. <laughs> I did everything backwards. I was like, okay, they love this, this, and this, but they hate these two bands. I'm going to start there. And nine times out of ten, I was right. It worked. I liked the bands that they hated. <laughs> Not because they hated them. They were looking at it the wrong way. I was looking at it from a musician standpoint. They were looking at it from, oh, well, I can't, like you said, I can't turn this up in my car and drive down the road. Yeah. And I had to think about it, and they didn't want to think about it. And I went, I want to think about that shit. But uh, another thing I hate about radio, too, is even the ch- channels where that play music kind of that I like, like mm-hmm. the classic rock channels. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Black Sabbath has songs other Earth. than... Uh, <laughs> Paranoid yeah. in War Pigs. I was like, Kiss had 52 albums. They have songs other than Rock and Roll Night Party. Every-. I'm like... Exactly. Even... When they play the bands that I like, it's like the God, same, it's the song. same songs over and over. Speaking of squirrel moment, because when my brain works, do you feel that the original Great White was underrated as a band? Hmm. I really like the original Great White. Mm-hmm. I think Jack Russell had a really good voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Never thought about that, have you? I really liked uh, the first album. Lady Red Light, I think, is a killer song. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, yeah. I th- I'm not trying to sway you. I think they were underrated. I think they were one of the better musician caliber bands of that era, but they got lumped into that era, so I think they got overlooked. My opinion. Granted, I know they had a couple hits. I- I'm not talking about being famous and having hits and shit. I just mean a lot of musicians kind of discount them, and I'm going, man, that- those first two records were Fucking amazing. Well, then they did... Uh, have you ever heard their album where they just do all Led Zeppelin covers? I've heard pieces of it. I've never heard the whole thing. They... As far as musicianship, I always thought they... I mean, they, they, if you like the blues-based rock... Right. I, I, I always really liked them. 
I, but, I always thought they were phenomenal. I don't know. That just popped in my head, I, I guess, because we come from the same musical background. I've never really asked anybody that. I mean, it just popped in my head because I've always thought they were overrated, underrated. Have you seen them lately, though? Not lately, no. Well, there's two versions. Well, there's, there's Jack Russell's Great White, and then there's Great White. Have you seen have either one? Of them? I, I haven't seen either one of them, no. They, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to be an asshole. I wouldn't go see either one of them now anyway. Well, it, they were they did a free concert at the State Fair, mm-hmm. and it was a night that we played Which the one? fair. The Great White or Jack Russell's Great White? Great, the Great White, okay. not Jack Russell. Who's singing for that one? Well, that's what I was going to get to. I didn't realize there was a Jack Russell version. And so uh, I got you. We played the fair, packed our stuff up, and then we just walked over and watched the free concert. And so I'm waiting for them to come out. And they come out, and the new the singer for the other he looks just like, like Poncharelli from Chips. <laughs> and he has this jet black kind of hair helmet with... Helmet with, head! Like overly white teeth and he had gold chains around and he had this like silk shirt with jeans but they weren't they didn't look like they were denim they looked like they maybe were like spandex that were supposed to look like jeans uh, you talk and about paint a rock star we were cracking up because the guy actually had a good voice a pretty decent voice but it was just like you you had to like close your eyes and listen because you'd watch him and you were like that's it was punch. It was a punch. What, did it put you in the mindset of they're trying too hard to make him not look like Jack Russell? Uh, no. I like when I make when I say something, you get that look on your face. Well, like, I was trying to try holy to shit, I gotta think about that. I, mean, I don't think they they couldn't make him look like him. He, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Make him not look like Jack Russell. Go completely opposite. Let's just make this guy look like a fucking fruitcake, <laughs> so they know they're not looking at Jack Russell. Possibly. See, it's possible. Because he, he, I, I can't knock him. He could, the guy could sing, but it was just. He just looked like Ponch. <laughs> we were like. Did you go to the Ingve show? Yeah. When he was here in October? Yeah. You and I talked about. Oh, yeah, that's right, Doug. We were staying next to each other. See, shitty memory. Old dude. I know you're older than me. Shut up. I have a bad memory. She spoke as much at that concert as she has tonight. I, that is very, very, very true. It is very true. Um, I forgot. And you she were looks as there. impressed. Oh, she yeah, did she's fucking bored out of her mind. You had a little bit of fun at the Ingve show, though. Just a smidge. Come on, a dude in his... How old is that guy now? He's going to be in his 60s, right? I late 50s, imagine. at least. I would imagine. Dude in his late 50s wearing leather pants running around. That's amusing for at least 45 the, seconds. The Seinfeld pirate shirt? Yes, the puffy shirt. The puffy shirt. Anyway, I thought that, was, I thought that show was funny because... He shoved his band over to stage left, and he had the entire rest of the stage. And the drummer had a pretty big rig. Two kicks, four racks, a couple floors. I mean, it was pretty big. And everybody was li- literally, there's two, I'm done. Everybody was literally stuffed in the corner. I've never I, seen I kind a of felt like bad. That. I haven't either. I kind of felt bad for those dudes. And his best trick was to kick the pick. Yep. Like, that's all you got? <laughs> I used, to, I, I, I will admit it on the show. I used to fucking worship that dude. Oh, I did like Ingve. I mean, uh, his rising force and all that. Was... Oh, some of those early records were phenomenal. I used to love his shit so much because he always hired phenomenal drummers. Because they had to be able to keep up with the... They had to be able to keep up with all that shit. So you always had these badass drummers. Dave Williams has some cool stories about Ingve. Really? Yeah. Well, that's it, kids. 
That's a show for the week. Why are you looking at the microphone funny? You're pulling a Jess. It's pretty. See it? It's kind of sparkly. It's like a disco ball. It is kind of disco ballish. I should put lights in it. <laughs> Do you know my Chuck has? He's got uh. The old school 50s mic. With the green light in it? Yeah, he's got one with a green light in it. When Some, he was in the Phoenix Hill All-Star band, he... He, he brought that it. with him? He's still got it. He's got a blue one, too. Oh, really? Yeah, this one looks like a ball, uh, but it's got blue lights in it, too. That Sorry, is cool looking, because the lights were low when they were singing, and they were doing uh, the Phil Collins uh, in the air tonight. Oh, yeah. So with the lights low, and it kind of had like that green like shining back on it, it looked pretty cool. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. There were three, maybe four years in a row I was nominated for that and won it for the drummer for the all-star band. And every time I turned it down, I can tell you it now because the fucking bar's closed. It did. I turned it down three or four times in a row. So you got time for one more story? You can tell anything you want. I I know you're not from here, so it's not the same. But growing up here, Phoenix Hill was the first bar I ever actually was able to get into. Right. At the time... You could get in 18 and up, or mm-hmm. at least they had 18 and up nights anyway. Right. And so as soon as there was a bar we could get in, we were like, oh, because we were huge Spanky Lee fans. Never heard of them. Uh, huge, uh, have you ever heard of you know, John Huffman and Jerry Sweet F.A.? I can't believe you fell for that. I just Kevin McCreary'd you. Oh, I know you, have, I, you, you know Sweet F.A. I do, but let's go back to Spanky uh, Lee. Well, I know everybody knows Spanky Lee. <laughs> I knew you were joking. <laughs> Spanky Lee, I first saw Spanky Lee. Yes, I actually saw them because they got together and played Ryan Murphy's Wedding. That's how I met Chip Adams. No way. Really? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. That's how, so as I was taking lessons from Chip at the time, but Mm -hmm. uh, so I was a huge Spanky Lee fan. So anywhere they would play that I could get in. Well, once we finally were able to get in Phoenix Hill Mm -hmm. and uh, see bands, it was like, oh, yeah. But anyway. And yes, I have heard of Sweet F.A. So, you know, I'm young, 18, walking through the halls of Phoenix Hill and seeing those all-star band, you know, plaques on the wall and everything. And, uh, you know, it's like at the time I'm thinking, you know, oh, that would be, you know, so cool to ever. So finally, when I was nominated, I couldn't turn it down. I was like, it was, it was too personal of a thing to be able to say. No, no, no. I I I don't blame you. I, um, I, I will tell you straight up why I turned it down every year. Three or four times I did, whatever. Talking to, and I hate to use the term old dudes, but since I am an old dude, I don't give a shit. Talking to a lot of the old dudes that have been here pretty much their whole life, they all told me the same things. Like, doesn't mean what it used to mean. Yeah. And, I, and you not being from here, it, nobody's going to give a shit. And I went, okay. I took the advice with a grain of salt. And then the band that got that formed, and I don't remember what year it was, it was seven, eight years ago. Um, the band that got formed, I went there the night that they were doing their thing and there was probably 30 people in the roof garden. And I went, yeah, no, no, I'm good. If I ever get nominated, I'm not interested. And I did three or four years in a row. And I said, nope, I turned it all down. And I think, I think, and I'm not going to say who it was because it's, I'm a bus thrower under all day long, but (laughs) some things are Best left unsaid, so I will leave his name out of it. But he was right. Back in the day, I'm sure it meant a shit ton. But last 15 years doesn't mean Dick 50 anymore. <laughs> because I think it's it's just like, kind of like the social media thing. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It doesn't mean as much. Yeah. 
it just gets played out. And nobody cares. Then it just becomes something to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, like I said, it was more of a such a personal thing. But for it, you, I get it. And it was, and you were probably voted in a while back when yeah. it actually still kind of meant something. It was 2011. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, I didn't mean shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but just like, kidding. it was it was cool because I got to play with uh, George Paul Smith and never Al, heard of him. Al Needham. So it was kind of neat to get George to... Paul Smith doesn't even look like George Paul Smith anymore. Well, because he's uh, doing Duck Dynasty now. I don't know if I'd call it Duck Dynasty. <laughs> That uh, I, I ran into him, and uh, I didn't know who it was for a second. It took me a minute, and I went, "Dude, you look fucking great. You look different, but you look fucking great." He yeah. does. He looks good. I know it. He does. It's pretty weird, especially on that bike. He's got a cool bike. He does have a cool bike. All right, I'm done talking about you because I know you don't listen to the show because you're an asshole. <laughs> so that's it. We're out of here. I uh, I hope you learned something about my buddy Chuck and his mute wife who never speaks. She does speak every now and then. She's usually a very polite and squeaky high. Unless you get to talking about cats and then girl never shuts up, which I appreciate. I actually do appreciate that. You got to at least walk over here and high five me in the microphone. Yes. So I hope you learned something. I thank you guys for hanging out with us. And uh, as I say at the end of every episode, go do some shit. Chuck, tell them. Go do some shit. Ooh, you put some good stank on that. You were like, shit. <laughs> that was good. Go practice. Not just some something. regular shit. Some shit. Oh, some shit. I just thought of something. That's the first cuss word you said. Second. I said fuck. When did you say fuck? Earlier. Did you? Mm-hmm. That's when you made fun of me because that was you said that was the first word. Oh, yeah, but where it. you said it, though, I'm probably going to edit that out. Well, fuck. High five in the microphone. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.